Welcome to the search for real answers in a modern world, where challenging topics are met with honest and thoughtful dialogue. This is Truth Seekers Forum. Welcome to True Seekers Forum. In this episode, we'll be exploring part one of a three-part series centered on the Apostles' Creed. I'm your host, Devin Kleffer, and I'm joined today by Pastor Andy Lewis of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz, California, and also Dr. Adam Nye, Professor of Systematic and Historical Theology at several undergraduate and graduate level schools throughout the Bay Area. Gentlemen, welcome. Welcome to you, Devin. Good morning. Hey, as a general reminder to our listeners, a couple of ground rules for True Seekers Forum. One, nothing is off limits. Uh, two, you do not uh, know the questions that I'm going to pose to you, so you haven't had time to prep at any curveballs that may be waiting for you. Thank you for that reminder. Absolutely. And number three, disagreement and pushback is always welcome and encouraged. Right. And maybe somewhere down the line in future episodes, we'll actually have pushback live in this in this uh, studio. Let's so, do that. Yeah, That's I know. totally. We'll fine. film that one. <laughs> exactly. Theological cage match. Exactly. <laughs> so let's just launch off into this. This is part one of a three-part series talking about the Apostles' Creed. So let's go ahead and begin with the most obvious question of the morning. What is the Apostles' Creed? Yeah, the, the Apostles' Creed is, is one of several um, – you almost could say like uh, – I was about to say compilation, but maybe distillation is a better word, uh, uh, that the early church had put together to try to just briefly articulate the Christian faith. Um, there's a couple examples you find in the New Testament that scholars think are those kinds of things, mm-hmm. um, you know, prefaced by something like, well, uh, what we received, we hand down to you. And then they just, you know, try to briefly state, here's what Christians believe. Um, yeah, and so I, the Apostles' Creed is kind of the most longstanding um well, one of the most longstanding and popular uh, such statements from the early church. Yeah, and it's a it's a it's a summary of if you were to take a lot of different verses of of the the total of scripture to create something that is really uh, easy to memorize and have a complete understanding of what is God doing in the world. In one way, it's kind of like you know, in modern terms, uh, you hear this a lot with music now and with art as being a curator. Right. You know, like in artwork, you curate a certain sort of thread on art. And the same thing could be too, like, you know, you're a curator of a movie soundtrack right. to, to pick out which songs. In that sense, it's sort of an ancient curation of what are the main things that are the main things yeah. of the Christian faith. Well put. So I, w- I want to come back to that in a second. But I, I also want to ask this because okay. if, if we were to flip through any one of a number of um, Christian theology sources, whether it's – something that we'd find online, a book perhaps, whatever that might be. We find a bunch of things that have creeds in them. Yeah. Um, We have the Apostles' Creed. We have the Nicene Creed. Uh, Depending on where we look, we might have the Apollo Creed. Um, (laughs) Yes. Some theological humor for you. Uh, So thank you for not going to the band creed. Right. You're welcome. That is off limits. (laughs) Not going to push back of that much. (laughs) Oh, there it comes. Sorry. So what is the difference? If we've got things, as you, as you stated, Dr. Nye, boiled down to kind of the, the it's it, what's the difference between the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed? Uh, that's, that's a great question. Um, one difference is in how much we know about their origins, where the Nicene Creed, historians have a pretty good bead yeah. on how and why and under what controversial context 
that creed was put together. All the dates and times are there. Right. I mean, okay. it begins at a council in Nicaea in 325, uh, which actually the Nicene Creed we have today is then an expansion on that in 381 at the Council of Constantinople. So its full name is actually the Niceno-Constantinopolitan Creed. Wow, um, that's good. Wow. Good yeah. job. <laughs> Today's trivia question. Well, who would want to say that? So right. we just call it the Nicene Creed. Yeah. Uh, but that creed came under what we ne- what we know, looking back, were controversies about the person of Christ, the being of God, the Trinity, that kind of thing. The Apostles' Creed, on the other hand, is a little bit more obscure. We don't really mm-hmm. – there's a lack of certainty on exactly where and when and why that creed was put together. It's a little shorter. Okay. Um, it, it avoids – uh, the kind of technical language we find in the Nicene Creed, okay. where it's it's trying to say Nicene Creed will say things like um, the, the Son of God is of one being with God. It, it, it made a new technical term in the Greek, homoousios, hmm. to state that. Right. Um, the the Apostles' Creed avoids that kind of technicality and and kind of just states pretty quickly and simply what Christians. And because believe. of that, it's like it's been held probably traditionally that. That predates the Nicene Creed, even though that you were, we were talking right. a little bit earlier that there's some debate it, that maybe the, the, the apostles could have come later. But when, when you put, put them together and you kind of follow it, it seems like the, the, the Apostles' Creed, which is what we're going to get into, right. is a much, much earlier simplified summation of what do people who are in the following the way of Jesus, what do they believe? Okay. And so with that in mind... And you mentioned some councils that got together, right? right, right. Um, what actually goes into the process of, and pardon the non-theological term, but whittling faith down? Mm. What what goes into that to say these are the things that we are going to mutually agree upon? I like that question in part because it does invite some speculation because, like I say, I don't exactly know who or when or why yeah. uh, the Apostles' Creed was put together. But I do – yeah, I, I find myself very open to speculate. Well, what, here's what they were doing: they were they were trying to get down to the the unique understanding of who God is hmm. in the Christian faith, because it is unique. Even though it comes from Judaism and it wants to affirm everything the Old Testament says about God, it's still uh, no other religion has something like the Trinity. Hmm. Uh, at least in, the, in yeah. the form you have it there. Or grace. Yeah. And and, and those two things are entirely intertwined in right. this creed. It, it breaks the understanding of who God is from a Christian perspective in these three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It, it, it breaks them down into those uh, you know statements on each of the three persons in order to explain the nature of God's grace hmm. in its various modes, in, in the mode of creation, in the mode of salvation, in right. the... Yeah. Um, incorporation into the church and into the the kingdom of God, those two things that the being of God and the nature of his grace are are smashed together in the creed. And it's whittled down, I want to say pretty much to those two themes. And and let me say too is what when Adam was we were weighing in about the differences and how it is distinct. We're not we're not trying to say distinct as in like we're trying to say, we're trying to create an open atmosphere where you can look at and explore different faiths. If you look at other faiths and them right. being honest within themselves about how they don't, they're not the same, they will admit that this is this is very distinct. It's very different. Right. There's not grace in other religions. So we're not trying to say, you know, they're bad because they don't have great. We're saying this is what's distinctive about it. Right. Right. Um, I don't think any uh, practitioner of any other, other religion would be offended by me saying, 
<laughs> the Trinity right. is peculiar to us. Right, right. The Muslim, the Muslim odd. faith yeah. is very much be like, yeah, absolutely. That is wackadoodle. Right. We don't want anything to, to do with it. It's right, kind of exactly. bizarre yeah. math. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which okay. actually, that's one of the things I wanted to weigh in before we dive into this. Please. Because as a pastor, what I run into a lot mm-hmm. is uh, there's, you know, the popular thinking is dogma, creeds, wars, religious, you know, zealotry. They all go hand in hand. Okay, so, so why are we even talking about this stuff? Back that up just a little bit, though. So for our listeners that may not be well versed on all those terms, what mm-hmm. is dogma? Dogma. I don't. I'd have to probably look up the official definition, but it's the similar. It's the idea of like having a well-defined sense of belief and how the world works, and then how one proceeds in life based on how the world works. The truth of the matter is, based on that definition. Everybody has their own form of dogma, whether it's actually really well spelled out like a creed, which we're going to mm-hmm. get into mm-hmm. or not. You have dogma within you that you actually apply to how you believe and live your life. And that's even with or without you have faith Without faith, faith or right. religion or anything. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I actually think it's helpful to maybe differentiate people's normal use of the word dogma. Right. And maybe it's like official. Right. What definition. it actually means versus how it's popularly <laughs> right. used. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. I mean, it's official definition yeah. is simply like official church teaching. Like the word doctrine means teaching. Right. Um, and everybody has doctrines. And if they try to convince something of somebody else, they have an idea. They're right. teaching their doctrine. Right. Dogma is doctrine that is officially codified and sanctioned by some in- church institution. Right. Um, it's, so, yeah, dogmatics then is, you know, uh, being dogmatic in popular terminology sounds like you, it just you're yelling and you're rigid and you're in screaming. what you believe. Yeah. In, right. Whereas yeah. in technical use yes it just means actually like you're speaking according to official church teaching gotcha and to that degree we apologize to any listener who's had that experience and has mistaken dogma as only 100 percent being screamed at or yelled at or told you're going to hell right um and then that person feeling very smug and holy and righteous because they're doing so right in the like adam's saying in the official term that's not what it means it means that these are the things that the church believes which is what we're going to weigh into so you can hear it in a sort of a peaceful setting right and as we get closer to that part of our discussion you you had mentioned uh, dr nye as far as the the, the whittling down to come to this common understanding of what Christian faith uniquely is. Was that primarily for the pastors, for the laypersons? Who is that mainly for? Mm, that's a great, that's a great question. Cause uh, I, I think it's, it's for the whole community yeah. and it's, it's outcome is, I mean, in, in one way we, we would probably say a, a creed, a set of dogma uh, dogmas, is, an, is a, a brain thing, an intellect thing. Mm-hmm. But these were statements of faith meant to be used within a worship context. Mm. And they still are for many churches. Mm-hmm. And so that it's really, it's a heart thing too. It's a spiritual formation thing that by, by stating this in a communal act of worship and a, a repeated one, mm-hmm. it starts to sort of impress these truths on our hearts and, it goes from being something that we would maybe say, well, if after, you know, if you ask me what my belief is about the Trinity, I, I might say this or that in a moment of um, serious intellectual contemplation. 
But the point of the creed, who it's for, what it's meant to do is to get this stuff deep into the bone, right. into the blood. And I think, too, to weigh in a little bit about the process, if somebody wanted to kind of know, well, how is the process of a council work? We're given actually a little bit of a highlight of that in the Bible itself. In Acts, there's a thing called the Jerusalem Council, mm-hmm. which is about, really? God's actually including Gentiles hmm. into the faith? And there was a real rigorous, open, transparent discussion about that with some conclusions that you read about. And those are the same kinds of things that have transpired throughout church history. And then one other thing, it is part of the popular opinion that dogma and things like that, the church has always been secretly hiding (laughs) all these things. And again, that's a very popular misshapen thing about the Christian faith. That is not, that is not the truth. Now, now there have been times where church, when the church has jumped in bed with the preservation and protection and nurturing of power Mm Like anything in the human race, that does tend to skew towards, you know, conspiracies and hiding things. Right. But when it has come to these councils, if if you really do your homework, and most popular people don't, we don't want to do our homework. But if you do your homework, there's nothing hidden here. Um, then, like you, like Adam said about the Nicene Council, and then later in Constantinople, it's very well documented mm-hmm. the whole process and all the counter arguments and all that kind of stuff. So, just to put that out on the table as we go into this, none of this stuff is hidden. This right. is not like some secret society, right? Right. And I, and and the openness of it, yeah. The the documents that show the history of Nicene yeah. and Constantinople, it shows the pretty and the ugly, right? And the ugly is there. And people's negative associations with doctrine and dogma and creeds are not totally unjustified. Sure. Um, I think all of us would be eager to say that um, as much as I'm okay with the concept of an official church teaching, I don't believe in the infallibility of official church teachings. Okay, Um, So as much as I would look to the Apostles' Creed and say it's a helpful thing to, to look at, I don't think it has equal authority with the Bible. I think that's a good point. And make, I think as it was interpreted yeah. and gone it gone yeah. forward, yeah, there have been. I, I think the early councils got things mostly right, mm-hmm. but there are other councils I would look back. I think a lot of us would look back on and say, no, they got some stuff wrong. Whether it was in uh, pursuit of power, it might have been, but we probably don't even have to speculate on their motives sure. just to say. In their pursuit of teaching the gospel right, they actually got some stuff wrong. Right. And we have to look at it pretty closely and say um, what matters ultimately for uh, from the evangelical perspective that we share, not everybody does, but I right. think we do, yeah. um, that when there's a conflict between a church teaching and the Bible, the Bible wins. Yeah. And what our goal is is to hold up our own dogmas, our own doctrines against the light of Scripture and have Scripture refine those teachings and make them more and more uh, accurate and uh, reflective of what the Bible really teaches. Yeah, I think because for the person who's going to hear this and go, I've never, I don't know about creeds and stuff like that. That just seems so human influence, like mm-hmm. you were just admitting and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Think of it this way. You know, we here in this round table, we're believing in the infallibility of the Word of God. But if you were to sit and go, could somebody, because it's a lot of books, there's 65 books and there's a lot of words, like could somebody who really knows this stuff come up with a summary that's easy for me to get my head and my heart wrapped around? That's exactly what we're talking about. Exactly. That's what these are. The the cliff note version, if you will, of theology. Yeah, exactly. In its simplest form. Yeah, but but through really well-reasoned, argued people. And time-tested. Yeah. The, a, a huge value of the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed is that virtually every Christian church and every denomination around the globe still subscribes to those teachings. Protestant, says, Orthodox, right, Catholic. 
right? We might disagree on tons of other stuff, but we come together and say, no, they got the nature of God and the gospel right in these statements. Well, on that note, let me ask this then, because a a quick online search, right? Which, granted, we have to validate sources whenever we do anything, whether in traditional text form or especially with the interwebs. <laughs> but, but, but a quick search is going to come up with things like Apostles' Creed, traditional version, Apostles' Creed, ecumenical version. So why two versions? What's the difference between the two? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's kind of a modern thing about just coming up with all of our different like tw- twists of them. Right. And, I, you know, on one level, I would say That's a good question. it's like different def- uh, uh, translations of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can just sort of be, you know, because the Apostles' Creed was not originally written in English. It has to be translated. Right. Um, I'll admit ignorance on exactly how the modern version is put. Uh, as you put it that way, traditional and modern version, I'm like, ooh, I don't want to sub- – I don't want to endorse something I don't really know the content of. I'd have to take a look at it and see. Yeah, go word uh, for word. Okay. <laughs> but Well – let yeah. me go ahead and read through both of these. these I've got these side by side yeah, here. You see some of the differences? Yeah. yeah. So this is, this is labeled under traditional version. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Did it use the word thence? Yeah. Did it did. <laughs> so that to me is probably, it's like moving from King James English to right. more modern English. Right. So. so how does the modern version compare? So this is what they have listed next to it. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again and descended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Sounds fairly minor changes. Uh, in in the traditional form, did it have uh, descended into hell? Um, they actually have an asterisk there for that, um, in which says the traditional words, he descended into hell. Yeah. I mean, that's really the only major change I hear. Yeah. Is the, Most of the modern just, version being he descended yeah. to the dead. It's just, I think, you know, and that's the thing people will grapple with. It's true of what was just weighed in with with translations. There's just an attempt at, you know, language is so dynamic and right. will ever continue to be for the human experience. And a lot of that is reflecting. So for a listener who, who is just maybe beginning to wade out into the waters of these creeds and understand what they are, right. we don't need to wrestle over which one is the right one. Those sound pretty similar yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. And then yeah. do either one of you care to just comment on uh, what sometimes is a challenge, especially reading it in a Protestant service when it talks about um, the Holy Catholic Church, as it's mentioned here in the creed? 
Right. Well, we'll just alarm you and say the Roman Catholic Church is the only true church. No, I'm totally kidding. No, it, you have to notice that it's in a small C, not capital C. So small C just is a word meaning universal. Right. We believe in a universal church. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Maybe say more on that if we get to an episode. Yeah. Which I think we should. Yeah. On that line. Of yeah. The fair enough. Yeah. So we've got these councils. They come up with distilling, um, putting putting the... I guess we'll call that the core of the faith into a creed. And this is what we have today. And so what? What are we supposed to do with it? Yeah. Good, good. Well, what, what we want to do in these uh, podcasts is, is use it as a tool for moving through uh, what Christians believe. We want to just have some conversations about what are, what's the core? What are the defining things that Christians are all about? And Going back to stuff that was was from the very beginning in the first, second centuries. Right. That, that, that's what we're trying to do is like not come up with something new like some 2016 podcast. Like let's talk about what's been there all along. Right. Exactly. And, and, and of course, to be totally authoritative, we could say, well, it's what the Bible teaches. And we could do this on a podcast going through every line of the Bible, but that would take much longer. Right. So the Apostles' right. Creed was kind of a handy way yeah. to whittle it down into a manageable. So that's what we want to do with it. And to do it, like we said, just to refer back, in a way that's not divisive, even amongst denominations and stuff. As Adam said rightly, this is something that all streams of, of Christendom mm-hmm. go, we, yeah, we believe that. There's not, there's not debate and, in, within that. There's and, still discussion for sure, but right, and and there's disagreement. And, I mean, hopefully those are civil disagreement, but you can't pretend you you agree when you disagree, and, mm-hmm. and, and we need to be honest about that. But at the same time, if if we believe, as I deeply do, in what it says about there being one holy Catholic and apostolic church, and um, that we, in whatever denomination we're in as Christians, ought to be praying for unity, mm-hmm. ought to be praying for reconciliation within the whole body of Christ. And I actually think going back to these ancient creeds is a key way of doing that. Hmm. Uh, the, the more all Christians from these different denominations focus on the nature of the gospel as it's, as it's said throughout the New Testament and then uh, distilled in these, in these creeds, I think we, we prepare ourselves for fruitful conversation and shared labor and prayer with, uh, you know, across the Christian yeah. And I'll wrap it up by just saying this. The trick is always to keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah. Mm. And so we're just going to try to present what we believe has been throughout the stream of Christendom the main thing. And I want to follow up just on, on that if I could before we uh, wrap up this episode. But Andy, especially from your point of view as someone who has dedicated your life to ministry and the ministry of people, um, how is it that – we're making this a center of a podcast. If this is truly at the center of our faith, why is it not a part of our center of our mindset? Why are we having to revisit this? Why is it that, and I'm not putting the blame on you for faith community church, but churches in general within the United States. Why do you think that this has been maybe laid on the table and many pop Christian books have been laid on top of it? Whether we're, well, I'm not going to call out any, any, yeah, any names. No, I, I want to answer but, after Andy because that's okay. a fantastic yeah, I mean, question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, my, the way that I would weigh in on it is is that, you know, obviously some of the churches that are more liturgical and stuff very much embrace this. So it's yeah. not like every church. But I think the more Protestant, the more non-denominational you get, creeds start to move in a direction that can make some people, even believers, right. uncomfortable. Yeah. Like we're something – 
And, um, and I think that's part of it. And, it, and, and I think that's another part of the discussion of why it's good for us to weigh back into this because we're not, we're not, uh, sometimes they think, I think they, that churches feel like they're signifying, oh, we're liturgical if we read these sure. things or, oh, this smacks of being, and again, judgmental of the universal church. We're right. being Catholic. Right. And wrongly. Not embracing something that's actually part of the rich, rich part of our being. I, so I think that's part of why it isn't done. Okay, in some and, churches. And Doctor, I want to let you follow up in just a second, but I want to I want to ask Andy this yeah. while we're got the conversation going here. I know, and I'm using air quotes with this, but becoming a better Christian is. I don't even know if we want to go down that road. But mm-hmm. are we losing something as disciples of Christ if we don't? have this written on our heart. I know that we should have scripture itself written on our hearts, right? We're, yeah. we're told to do that. Yeah. But this is like Dr. Nye brought up before is, is a nice compact way to, to encompass our faith. Are we losing something by getting away from this? I think probably. Yeah, I think so. I think that's probably the simplest answer. Okay. Yeah. And Dr. Nye, I want to give you a chance to weigh in as well. I, I yeah, I, I it, largely echoing what Andy said, but maybe just kind of uh, filling in some of the historical stuff, mm-hmm. like I was bringing up before, yeah. the the church did stray in its development uh, development of doctrine through the Middle Ages. It it has some. It's still the Middle Ages still have good things to offer us, but because of some of the errors and the backlash that began in the Reformation, as the Reformation went forward, especially as you get into the background of the movements, we're largely a part of the Baptist movement, mm-hmm. and then its expressions in the 19th, 20th centuries, you started to have really extreme overreactions, I think, overreactions mm, yeah. to the, the, the buildup of, um, of doctrinal tradition as opposed to the Bible. And those things right. started to become, they became stated as like antitheses. Mm-hmm. There's, there's the Bible and there's tradition. Mm. And you had these really well-intended statements like, you know, no creed, but Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, sola scriptura. Well, I mean, even sola scriptura, which yeah. you know, like if you read the guys who originally said that, right, you read right. Martin Luther and John Calvin and the other reformers, they didn't go that far, right? When right. they 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 mean sola scriptura as the only as the final infallible authority, not the only authority. Um, and so, I think what we saw within the last maybe couple hundred years was an overreaction. And an attempt to say, in order to avoid false doctrine, hmm. we just won't have official statements of doctrine. We'll just have the New Testament. And I think now in our day, we can look on the heritage of that and see exactly what you just pointed out. In, without having creeds, people just kind of forget what they believe. Right. We could say it's all New Testament, but over time, there just becomes this vacuum. Right. And other creeds that are just less uh, articulate, less well thought through, they seep in. And so you can see in Christian communities, it's not that they have no creed. They just kind of have dumb things and cliches they all say, as opposed to a intentional... I know that was a harsh thing for me to say, but it's true. I I see it all the time. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Going back to the Apostles' Creed, I think, is an an intentional return to let's avoid false doctrine and go to good, true doctrine that will feed our souls and feed our minds and keep us, um, yeah, keep us feeding on the gospel as the New Testament presents us, be, presents it to us because we need a guide to that. Mm. We need these kinds of helpful uh, short summaries of, of where to aim our hearts. Yeah, and that's why we want to walk through it. Gentlemen, thank you. 
Thank you. That's going to conclude this episode of True Seekers Forum. True Seekers Forum is a production of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz, California. To learn more about True Seekers Forum or Faith Community Church, please visit us online at santacruzfaith.org.